take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Sangha. Good afternoon. Walking the Ancient Way Sashin, day five, hump day, talk six. I'm going to talk some about the nature of challenge and the hindrances that challenge can bring, specifically skeptical doubts today. For every person, there's some intention that brings us into session or really anything that's challenging, whether it be an intention that we can conceptualize, that we can frame and tell somebody about, or if it's a little more amorphous or intuitive and something that just draws us in a specific direction that we follow. Um, And often in the pursuit of something that we consider challenging, there's something that we hope to get out of it. And similarly, that might be something that we can frame or maybe not. And then whenever we encounter that actual challenge in its realness as it's happening, it never goes the way that we expected it to go. That's uh, the nature of challenge. It's also the nature of challenge that uh, what we will get out of a challenge is different from what we thought we were going to get out of the challenge. And that's because the challenge itself changes us from the inside out. The views that we held before going through a real process, those views were our limitations from the beginning. And those views are what we were limited by at the onset. And when they start to break apart during the challenge, we change and it's frightening and something new has to carry us forward. We have to become something new in the process and something results from that that we couldn't have conceived from the beginning. If you ask a caterpillar how how it would like to improve its life, it would say, you know, I'd really like to crawl a lot faster. I could use a few more legs. Be nice to have some more leaves around here. It wouldn't, it wouldn't tell you a fantasy about becoming a butterfly. That's not within its scope. And true challenge literally changes us from the inside out, from a point below where we can actually see. And it's a frightening transition the way that fear manifests is different for different people and different in different circumstances. But skeptical doubt is, is a common one. Doubting the merit of an experience. This is unhealthy. This isn't good for me. Actually, my purpose in life is, is other than this. My teacher doesn't see me clearly. Self-doubt, 
Um, I can't do this. I'm not good enough for this. I would rather not be good enough than succeed. (laughs) It's a very, very real one. The prospect, this the word, the word success is more pertinent in really specific goal-oriented activities, but, but sometimes the prospect of what it might actually take to succeed is so daunting that it's, it's much easier to re-identify as just not being good enough than to put in what it would take to succeed and therefore potentially fail. Which, which of those two is more frightening? I don't know. And these voices of skeptical doubt can be very, very convincing. I'm abandoning so-and-so by, by being here. I'm not being true to myself. Part of me is being repressed. I'm naming thoughts correspondent to the energy of skeptical doubt. Um, and, and I don't, I don't want to communicate that all of these, these thoughts are inherently inherently wrong, but they are ways that skeptical doubt can manifest, and that is something we have to be careful of. And if we're not diligent about dropping thought in meditation, about letting go of our evaluation of our experience, if we're not careful about doing that, it's very easy to become convinced by these thoughts. And that's why it is so crucial to let go of the thinking mind. This is true in session, and this is true in anything that is challenging. Because once we're halfway into something, once we're halfway in and it starts to rock us, if it's, as it starts to shake us, our past views can no longer get us through that threshold because we're trying to grow beyond the limitations of our past views. Awareness of those limitations is what inspired us to the challenge to begin with. But then once the challenge hits, we, we want to go back. And aspiration carries us forward. But because this point is so sticky, because this experience is so sticky and we get confused so easily, it is essential to let go of the thinking mind. Reliably, new territory is exhilarating whenever we experience it. But the demolition of familiar territory is terrifying. It's terrifying enough that something greater 
has to carry us through, something greater than what brought us into it. And this is the function of prayer. This is the function of commitment. This is the function of sangha, of really asking prayer, of really asking out loud to anything, help, help. I don't know if I can do this. Touching into both aspiration and humility at the same time, recognizing the presence of, I can't. I don't know if I can do this. But allowing the faith that going through this is something that I want and this feels wholesome. So if anything out there is in alignment with me, please help. And commitment is something larger than ourselves that can see us through. As I've trying to, as I've been trying to communicate, it's very easy to get confused once challenge really gets hairy. And if we're a person who can rely on the commitments that we've made, and we become that person by relying on commitments that we've made, then that commitment can have greater weight than our thoughts in the moment. Having faith and commitment is very valuable. And also, Sangha is something deeper that can help carry us through. We use the term spiritual peer pressure colloquially here from time to time and it's a very it's a very real thing there are things that that we experience when sitting long hours together that we just don't as individuals and I'm not putting one over the other right now. Both are very, very valuable. There's definitely something to be said for, for individually doing what, you've know, what you know you have to do on your own. But when we find ourselves confused, if we have put ourselves in a situation with others, knowing that the stream that the others were going is a stream that we want to be in. Maybe we've seen others farther down the stream and we kind of like how they look. <laughs> then we can, we can bite our lips and close our eyes and just let the stream carry us for a while. Maybe you feel the, the last period at, at the end of the night is just anything but what someone might describe as meditation. And yet, having done retreat after retreat and experienced that over and over again, you feel what the fruit of that is. You feel the stability that develops in the body sitting through that. You feel the confidence in the heart that develops sitting through that. You know how good that cookie is after sitting through that. 
what's reliable and familiar is very tempting in the face of what's unknown and frightening. The talks this week have been referencing affirming faith in mind. If you, another line from, from affirming faith in mind, if you pursue appearances, you overlook the primal source. Appearances are what we recognize. Appearances are what's familiar. Appearances are what we name. Appearances are the conclusions that we come to. Appearances are our evaluations, and they are what distract us in the process of entering new territory, things that concretize and appear. Our, our understanding of what we're doing and how we're doing it that eclipses our deeper intimacy at a deeper level of, of what is going on, of what is actually going on. Um, another line, awakening is to go beyond both emptiness as well as form, to go beyond both emptiness as well as form, to go beyond, to go beyond anything that we frame, to go beyond anything that we understand, to go beyond anything that we have experienced, to go beyond anything that we know, to go beyond where we think we are, Everything that we've experienced in the past is now a concept, and everything that we hope to experience in the future is now a concept. This is why it's necessary to let go of the thinking mind. One term that Harada Roshi used that I really appreciated was to, was to drop your shadow, to not live with a shadow, to not live with just a slight sense of things, to not have any, any uh, space between yourself and anything, to not have any prediction, to not have any expectation, to not know beforehand. I know my interpretation of this is shallow, but that was a very meaningful phrase for me. Another uh, phrase that he used um, more, more personally to me was, you, meaning me, you are not a musician. If you do not know the root of all things, your music will never be anything other than your own rusty thinking. And that's true for our entire lives. If we are not really deeply 
connected and rooted and intimate. It's all, it's all a show. It's all an act. It's all rehearsed. It's all contrived. It's all a fear game that we're putting on. Fooling ourselves on the surface, but of course underneath we're not fooled. And that's the divine dissatisfaction that brings us to something like Sashin. Our thinking is rusty. It is rehearsed. It is familiar. It is not creative. Now saying all these pejorative things about thinking uh, is is narrowing the definition of the word just to a specific aspect of it. Use of the thinking mind, of course, is in no way an inherently uh, negative negative thing. Um, but but fear-based thinking is what I'm talking about. I'm certainly not talking about uh, the cognitive power of inquiry. The cognitive power of of really looking and seeing clearly and observing creativity. More from affirming faith in mind, cut off all useless thoughts and words and there's nowhere you cannot go. The shadow is gone. There's no rusty thinking created. Free to go and in any of the ten directions. There is no inherent limit within. Returning to the root itself, you will find the meaning of all things. The meaning of all things is to be searched for, is to be searched for here. And anyone who has come to a meditation retreat has that belief. We walk around a little bit in, in Kinhin, but mostly we stay pretty, pretty still looking for. The meaning of all things is to be found here in this body, in this breath, in this instant. It's to be found in what we, it's to be found in our life as it is, where we are. Another uh, way of talking about thinking that I feel is important to mention because I've been emphasizing the importance of cutting off the the thinking mind is just to recognize that um, thinking is a very natural phenomenon that that simply happens that happens to human beings with with minds and uh, from that perspective it's very important not to judge any thoughts, judge the phenomenon of thinking, but rather as the 
chant we're doing in the morning now, the Komyozo Zanmai, says to, just to not propagate the thoughts that occur. And inevitably, at any stage in, in session, we'll go back and forth on the surface between periods of clarity and periods of mental activity or agitation and uh, not to add or propagate to that thinking is our practice to criticize ourselves or to think this is bad uh, when we are in a period of a lot of mental activity is just to continue that mental activity. Um, on this on this topic from affirming faith in mind, why keep judging good and bad? Do not reject the sense domain. Do not reject things as they are. Sometimes clarity, sometimes uh, confusion, sometimes a clear, silent mind, sometimes an agitated mind. For as it is whole and complete, this sense world is enlightenment. No need to criticize things as they naturally are. Mind awakened transcends both rest and unrest. It's not about whether the mind is restful or agitated. It is not about if the mind is clear or if the mind is thinking. And still, our practice is to let go of thought, to not continue the propagation of thought. So it's important that if we're practicing and we find ourselves uh, agitated, if we find ourselves uh, overwhelmed in a flurry of thought or emotion, that does not mean that we should be doing something different, that there is something wrong with how we are practicing. One of the Buddhist passages he says a phrase like this, going through the four postures, sitting, standing, walking, and lying down. And if, I were, if I were walking and fear to arise, I would continue walking until the fear had subsided. Fear, whatever the, the hindrance. Probably it's, it's mentioned with all five skandhas, so there's, there's 20 permutations of phrases there. And this means if we're practicing and everything's going good and we're perfectly clear and then all of a sudden the weather starts to change, it is not necessarily the case that we need to do anything different other than to continue feeling the hands, to continue following the breath. The weather changes. We don't know why things happen. Just because we've been sitting here for four days, there's no guarantee that you'll have a clear mind. Yes, there's deep background cleaning that everyone experiences. The room itself changes, and it's very obvious when you sit and watch it. As the people at the, the ends of the rows have the privilege and responsibility to do, and from any seat, if you really feel the room, you can feel 
the settling and the crispness and the vividness that develops over the days during during session. But on the surface, the mind goes between being clear and being agitated. Our job is not to propagate the agitation. Another line from Affirming Faith in Mind, the great way is beyond the easy and the hard. So this is not, this is not about challenge. Challenge is an aspect, but that's not what this is about. And at some point, um, the pursuit of challenge is simply another strategy that we can make as individuals towards what we're familiar with. We become comfortable with, with the idea of pursuing challenging things and, and the um, romance of struggle. But coming into this midpoint in Sashin, I'll recognize two different kinds of ease that can occur. One is the result of the background cleaning that I've been mentioned, which is something that happens to everyone, whether aware of it or not. And the other is there's, there's just a conceptual burden that can be dropped whenever you're halfway through something that, that is challenging. The weight of the future, it simply weighs less. Earlier in session, when the mind is more uh, coarse, the discrepancy between being engaged in thought and being aware may be very stark, very gross. The difference between being concentrated and um, thinking about something may be over here and over here. But as we settle, this dis- and we open up to more space, this distinction can become more subtle. As, as the nature of thought itself starts to dissolve into the very space that we were turning away from thought into, they, they start to become one thing. Shanae mentioned this morning the metaphor of tuning an instrument. And when tuning an instrument, there's a discord that occurs when the wavelengths are out of sync and it makes this very discordant sound that's very similar of, similar to if you're driving a car down a highway and you just roll one window down a little bit. It does this wah, 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 that's very uncomfortable on the ears. And as the strings are tuned, 
and they come into unison, the whoa, 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 picks up, picks up, picks up, picks up, and then becomes one steady, clear tone. And if you really listen to that steady, clear tone that's produced, you start to hear deeper and deeper subtlety to it. People that are very trained in, in listening are aware of deeper levels of the harmonic series that are produced within a clean, resonant tone. And as our meditation settles, this uh, tuning is a kind of useful metaphor. We are uh, endlessly able to detect more and more subtle aspects of dullness that may creep in. We are able to expand the awareness farther and farther to become aware of increasingly more minute subtleties of uh, sensory phenomena of our own minds. Samsara is defined uh, literally I understand as uh, an, an axle that doesn't quite fit in a, in a wheel. And the relationship between the axle and the wheel is kind of like this string, these strings that are out of tune with each other. And as we tune the instrument, the wheel and the axle slide together more easily. Do you know how many pitches the Kesu produces? How many times have you heard it? Does it just go bong? How many discrete sounds does a vacuum cleaner make? It is the case that sometimes we just can't get in tune. And when we feel that we just can't get in tune, of all the times to quit something, that's not it. That's when we need to be persistent. That's the challenge point. When we're unable to recognize harmony in our own being. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, in practice where the axle and the wheel don't line up, but we're stranded in the middle of the desert and we're not gonna get out of the car right here. In my experience, the nature of deep 
true challenge is to come to hate it and to come to hate myself for doing it. That's the reality of skeptical doubt. And to hate others for putting me in the position to experience it, to hate the universe for putting me in this life where I was forced to experience this. That's the nature of challenge as I've come to experience it. When the mind so readily turns towards quitting that to quote affirming faith in mind again that one instant is 10,000 years. A slightly different understanding of what was intended with that line. <laughs> but a real experience nonetheless. When the present moment is so appalling that you need to quit, that you need to die. that the thought of continuing is absolutely terrifying. It's crystal clear that continuing is not an option. Lost all ability to remain present. Hearing a teacher say, be alert, be alert, return is really fucking agitating. And the way out of, the way out of I can't, the way out of I can't is not, is not, is not I can. It is not I can. That is a, that is a, a useless patronizing self-pat on the back. The way out of I can't is, is I am. The way out of I can't is awareness of the fact that I am doing exactly what it is that I am telling myself I cannot do. What you think you can't do, you are doing. You think you cannot handle this life, you are living. And if you stay put, and if you continue, you let the Sangha hold you, be it this Sangha or, or the universe itself, a willingness to experience what you're already experiencing can arise. One personal lesson that I've shared um, from doing these ultra marathons, uh, where I, I can't is a big obstacle. Uh, one, a lot of training is about stretching the I can't threshold, or, or stretching the I can threshold rather. 
a lot more of that than, than strengthening the body. When your muscles completely die, you learn to balance on your bones. This is not about being tough. That's not the purpose of that statement. It's about conviction that there are deeper resources unknown to myself. Unknown to yourself. And the strength of the bones are not found until the muscles are taken beyond their capacity. And when muscles are all you've had to go on, you have no reason to believe that there is anything deeper. How would you know? But there is something deeper. And and the way to find out, maybe the only way to find out, is to exhaust the familiar. To run until you can't. And you can't. You know that you can't. And you're not home yet. And it's 20 degrees out. And it's raining. And you can't stop. And you're aware of your feet on the ground. And you know that you can't continue, but they're still moving. Because you can't stop either. And we can't stop either. The fact of our life is that we can't stop. We continue. Please have faith that you are practicing the best way that you know how. And wisen up some. Trust your teacher. Trust the practice advice that you receive in Sanzen. Give yourself up to your practice a little more. Listen more. Breathe more fully. Sink ever more into yourself. Do this when it's easy. Do this when it's hard. New territory awaits you, and it requires your diligent skepticism with the familiar. One very, very short Ikkyu poem. Clouds very high, look, not one word helped them get up there. We don't have to do anything to make the world beautiful. But we do have to be diligent if we are to abandon our efforts, our habits, 
to destroy its beauty. So please sit upright, direct your attention away from thoughts towards the present moment experience. Have have faith that things will be okay. It's the greatest gift that you can give to yourself. 